0: Hey friend, welcome to the show. If you've been around for a while, you know how I feel about negative thoughts and limiting beliefs. If you're newer, you'll soon learn how these two things are holding you back from making change in your life. In this episode, I'm talking about the negative voice inside our heads, the one that fuels all those negative thoughts and is keeping you stuck and miserable. I'm also going to give you five actionable things that you can start doing today to be a little bit nicer to yourself. Welcome to the Emotional Eating Therapist Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Rogers, licensed mental health counselor, intuitive eating and body image expert, and recovering perfectionist. After healing my own disordered eating and body image issues, I'm helping women make the shift to intuitive eating and body acceptance. In this podcast, we chat about all things food and body so that you can stop dieting, let go of perfectionism, and finally feel confident in all areas of your life get Ready to stay off the diet roller coaster and live healthily ever after. We all have it. That voice. You know the one. The one that reminds you you aren't good enough, that you don't know what you're doing, that no one likes you. That negative voice, or as some clients have referred to it, the devil sitting on my shoulder. You weren't born with this voice, but it is definitely a part of you now. This likely began as the voice of a caregiver or someone close to you that had their own mental health issues going on, and unfortunately it got transferred onto you. I'm sad that happened to you, and you are not alone. Most of us have had similar experiences over our lifetimes. While this voice may have begun as someone else's, over the years it's collected evidence to support what it's saying, and it's likely began to sound more and more like you. And just like a rut that is formed in a dirt road after the rain, The more and more you think this, the more and more evidence you find to support it, the deeper and deeper the rut gets. And the deeper the rut gets, the harder it seems to get out of it. And when you do get out of it, it's so easy to fall back into it. Now, if you're anything like me, you've tried to silence those negative thoughts. And maybe using some positive affirmations. Maybe they've helped, but before you know it, without warning, you're beating yourself up again. I always had the added flagging of, see, you can't even be consistent or good enough with affirmations to make them work. That reminded me of all the diets I had tried that didn't work. I always thought it must be me. I must be the one that's defective. And there we go again, digging that rut even deeper. The crazy thing is that I wasn't even aware of some of these thoughts until I had been hogtied and carried away by those nasty little gremlins. I'd catch myself having a pity party and wonder how I went from happily playing with Anthony to thinking I'm the worst person ever. Thoughts are creepy like that. Especially those thoughts that are so ingrained, they've become a core belief. The slightest thing can set them off, and before you know it, you're deep so deep in the rut that you can't see a way out. That's because the brain is amazing and can think so fast that we aren't even aware of it. While our thoughts are not part of our autonomic nervous system, they can occur so quickly that it seems like it, especially if it's something we've thought or hold true as a core belief for a really long time. If you remember from episode 2 and if you haven't listened to this one yet, go have a listen. If you remember from episode two, my theory is that our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors are all connected. And where most programs and gurus fall short is they focus only on the action, the behaviors, without addressing the thoughts. So say you want to drink more water. You've likely been given a breakdown of how much water to drink and when to drink it. You've seen the apps that you log your water into and grow a virtual plant or you set reminders on your phone to go off so that you have that external cue to drink the water, how long did that work for you? Yeah, if you're like me, maybe a week tops. My poor little virtual plant is a crispy, crispy, crispy dead plant. Did it create the lasting change you wanted? Were you magically drinking all the water you thought you should? Eh, probably not because eventually those external cues, those external motivators, they wear off. They lose their effectiveness. We're the cool factor. And we revert back to old behaviors. When we focus on only the behaviors, we get short-term results. When we focus on the thoughts and emotions behind that behavior, that's when we can see lasting change. But it won't be quick. So focusing on the behaviors only gets us so far, we wanna go deeper. The root. We want to focus on the thoughts that are leading to that behavior. The trick is going to be slowing down the thoughts so that you can connect each thought to an emotion and see how those then morph into the behavior. When we slow the thoughts down, and I mean way down, can you pick out whose voice those negative comments sound like? I asked my Facebook community, which if you're not part of that yet, there's a link in the show notes for you to join. So I asked my Facebook community. What were some of their loudest or most frequent negative thoughts? And the most common, the most stated negative thought was, you're not good enough or I'm not good enough. These are honestly the most popular among my clients as well. And if we boil down most of our thoughts, they come down to either I'm not good enough or I'm not safe. So if you notice having either of those thoughts at the core of your negative self-talk, you're not alone. We're all right there with you. I want to talk a little bit more about how I stopped beating myself up and became my own best friend. One day, it was like a light bulb went off. I realized that I was way harder on myself than anyone had ever been. Like, ever. And probably ever would be. And then I have this realization that I'm with myself all day, every day. Like, I cannot get away from myself. No way, no how. Who would want to spend all their time with someone who constantly belittles them? If I had a friend talk to me the way I talk to myself, I wouldn't be their friend for very long. So why was I accepting it from myself? And I, I bet... I bet you've had similar experiences. So I'm gonna give you those five actionable steps. But before I do that, I wanna give you one one of the biggest things that I've done that has created okay, let me take that back. It's not a big thing. It's actually a very small thing. But it's had tremendous effects on how I see things, and really helped create a lot of change for myself. And I know, it might seem silly at first. I get it. I hear so often from my clients how silly this seems. But let's have some fun. Who cares if it's silly? It works. And if we can have a little fun while changing our thoughts, more better, right? What I'm going to suggest to you is to name your brain we'll learn from my friend Marina in episode 28 that comes out in December that we can look at our brains in two parts. We have the cave woman or the reptilian brain and the 2.0 brain. That cave woman brain is our limbic system where our basic instincts for survival live. Listen to episode 28 for more in-depth discussion on this because for today we're just going to keep it very big, basic. The point of our cavewoman brain is to keep us safe, and when we look at our negative thoughts as trying to keep us safe, it really helps to lessen the sting, even just a little bit. So to help change this idea of our brains, I find it helpful to name our cavewoman brain. This is where I get odd stares and eye rolls from my younger clients. Silly, I know. And remember, it works. It works because when we can give that part of our brain a name, a persona, really helps us to have compassion and empathy for it. This also helps us shift to viewing this part of our brain as trying to keep us safe rather than that self-sabotage that everybody's always talking about. And I absolutely hate because I don't think we ever self-sabotage, but I digress. It also helps us have conversations with this part of our brain so that we can work together rather than work against each other. So without further ado, let me introduce you to my brain, Bertha. Bertha Butt, one of the Butt Sisters. If you're not smiling now, well, check your pulse. When my mentor suggested we name our brains, this was the first thing that came to mind. There's a very long backstory here, so I'll try to be concise with it. The year my mom and papa got married, we took a road trip from Colorado to Iowa for him to meet her side of the family. I was nine, and we listened to silly songs on the 20-some-hour drive. One of those songs was the Traglodyte song, and I'll put a link in the show notes so you have reference for Bertha's origin story. For whatever reason, Nine-year-old Sabrina fell in love with this song and Bertha. And I'd get really into my own rendition of the song, belting it at the top of our lungs in our tiny Toyota Corolla. Here's Bertha. She's this big, big woman. And she ain't putting up with no man's shit. But then in part of the song, she starts singing... It's great. Have a listen. I'm not gonna subject you to my singing again today. So when Stephanie, my mentor, encouraged me to name my brain, Bertha was the first thing that came to mind. Not only did she fit this description of what kind of we were looking for in our brain, but she was always butting in Bertha. Bertha Butt, one of the Butt sisters. Any time I was trying to do something out of my comfort zone, any time I was doing something new, any I was meeting new people, any I was going around my friends or my family, Bertha would come along and butt in and remind me all of my deficits and all of the times I had messed up. Bertha and I now work together My cavewoman brain and 2.0 Sabrina brain most of the time work really well together. Every once in a while, Bertha gets on a roll, but then she and I can have conversations because I've given her this name. I've given her this persona. So now it's your turn. You can be as silly or as serious as you want with this, because once you have your brain named, then you can start having those deep conversations together and working together rather than against each other. So, on to the five actionable things I promised you, and then we'll wrap up for today. Five steps to being nicer to yourself. I'm going to walk you through my process, and this might not fit exactly for you. So, as always, take what works and leave the rest. Play around with the order if it doesn't feel right to you. And as always, throw in your own personality here. So, first. I started noticing how often I said or thought something negative about myself. I read a statistic somewhere that something like 80% of our thoughts are negative. That is ridiculous. Ridiculous. My best piece of advice here is going back to naming your brain. Yeah. I'm going to push this because... It helps, I promise. It helps to separate yourself from your thoughts, which makes it a whole lot easier to notice your thoughts. And the humor involved is always an added bonus. So second, whenever I noticed myself thinking or saying something negative about myself, I'd stop and ask myself, okay, Sabrina, is this true? If I asked a hundred people, would they agree with this thought about me? Would I say this to my best friend? And what if my best friend said this about me? Would I stay friends with her? Third, once I identified that this thought was downright mean and probably not true, I'd thank Bertha, my brain, for trying to keep me safe again. And then I'd remind her how these thoughts are hurtful, not helpful. Fourth, I made a conscious effort to sit with myself for five minutes every single day. Five minutes. You can put on some music if you want, but all those other distractions, let's get rid of them. Because for those five minutes, I want you to notice what thoughts are coming up. Notice how you feel in your body, like those physical sensations there's tension anywhere and if there is tension offer yourself some compassion and some empathy and if you can reach those tension areas massage your neck your feet your arms your legs it's going to really help connect with your body and then notice what emotions are occurring so we're going to slow down the thoughts we're going to notice what we're physically feeling We're going to notice what emotion's coming up, and then if you want to take this a little bit deeper, you can start to look at pairing one thought to one emotion. We'll get into this later. Just brief overview. And then fifth, and honestly, this was probably the hardest, because when I first started doing this, I didn't believe myself. Nope. Self-doubt. You know, it's hard. But I knew it would work because I had seen it work and I had seen it work with my clients. So I kept doing it no matter how ridiculous I felt. Each morning, I stand in front of the mirror and compliment myself. It started small, so I didn't spiral and focus on all the parts that I hated. We have a small hand mirror in the bathroom, so I'd focus on looking myself in the eyes and say, Good morning, beautiful. Some mornings it was kind of a, good like morning, beautiful. Some mornings it was a good morning, beautiful. Just depends on the day. So I suggest getting yourself a little hand mirror if you don't already have one. And just spending two seconds looking at yourself and giving yourself a compliment. As that became easier, I upped the game. I moved from the handheld mirror to the full mirror. And then I upped the game a little bit more and I changed my language and I would have these conversations with myself in the morning. Well, hello, sexy. Aren't you looking good today? And then I moved on to other parts of my body and I started to focus on the parts that I liked, but maybe not as much. And then I started to up it some more. And started to focus on the things that I didn't really like about myself. And slowly, I started to change those thoughts. Slowly, I started to believe what I was saying to myself every morning. And then, this really magical thing happened. It became second nature. And now, honestly, every morning, I do it without thinking. Every morning, I get up. And as I'm standing in front of the mirror, some compliment comes out. Usually it's good morning, beautiful. Some days it's something else. Just depends. So give it a try. Let me know how it works for you. And I'm also curious what you end up naming your brain. So shoot me an email and feel free to include your brain's origin story. I really geek out on that stuff. Until next week, friend. Much love. Bye.